Welcome to the iConnect with Baxter Canada podcast. This is where we connect with healthcare providers from various clinical settings to learn more about how they are leading through innovation, protocol development, and integration of evidence to provide excellent clinical care to their patients. Join the conversation with your hosts from Medical Affairs at Baxter Canada. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of I Connect with Baxter Canada podcast. My name is Michelle DeGloria. I am a registered nurse and a medical science liaison supporting the medication delivery team at Baxter Canada, and I will be your host for this episode. As always, our goal is to bring you interesting and relevant topics that influence your day-to-day practice as a clinician. I'm excited to welcome Jeff Britton, a colleague from Baxter's Clinical Centre of Excellence. Today I am joined by a colleague, Jeff Britton, who is going to share his current role and experience using an innovative technology that will not only improve pharmacy work efficiencies, but also um, patient safety. Jeff, if you can tell us a little bit about your current role and experience, that would be great. Thanks, Michelle. Uh, I've been a pharmacist for 17 years now. I currently work with Baxter Healthcare on their Clinical Center of Excellence team. Uh, but I've been working in and around pharmacies for about 25 years. I've been I've been blessed to do so many different things in many different places. I've practiced pharmacy and retail, uh, in the military, home infusion, specialty. Uh, spent quite a bit of time in hospitals. I've done some work with informatics administration, and and of course now in industry with Baxter. So it's kind of in my blood. Both my brothers are pharmacists as well as my wife. So indeed, pharmacy has been a major part of my life. Um, I'm really interested to know more about the use of an IBE workflow solution. How are they used and why are they used? Well, IBE workflow solutions can, and in my opinion, should be used for every compounded dose. I think it's fair to say every patient expects us in the pharmacy to get their dose correct, um, and every patient deserves that right dose. And that's why these systems are so critical. You know, they can be used to validate the drug, concentration, even amounts of ingredients, and they can capture and document really anything related to your workflow. So their guidance of the user with step-by-step instructions that can be customized down to almost any level really gives staff the support and the confidence that they need to focus on the things that matter most when compounding. So when we're talking about integrating an IB workflow solution into a pharmacy, um, are they used for in all settings or are they really limited to very specialized uh, patient populations? I think that's a common misconception that they, they only need to be used for some type of high acuity setting or only at a large hospital. They're really... They can be used anywhere you're making doses, right? Humans are the ones that make human errors. So wherever there is an opportunity for error, there's an opportunity for something that will help prevent errors, like an IV workflow system. How exactly um, in a pharmacy, if you could sort of walk me through the process um, as a nurse, I I don't often get to see behind the, the pharmacy doors to understand Uh, what processes are in place, and ultimately I know we are, to your point, all working together to deliver safe care to our patients. And so I'm just curious, um, how exactly are they used and what what safety mechanism or feature do they offer that 
um, is missed potentially um, if we just leave it to your point up to the humans uh, to do that work. Sure. So as a nurse, I, I hesitate to tell you that, hey, sometimes in the pharmacy, we don't make it correctly if we don't have a system like this to support us. And I know you depend on us to give you what you need to take care of your patients. So Absolutely. inside the pharmacy walls, an IV workflow system is really, it's a mix of both hardware, things like a scanner, a camera, of course, a computer, and then the software that helps you know which one of these orders do I need to work on first, mm -hmm. first? And can it perform calculations to help me prepare those orders correctly? capture all the necessary documentation, and then enable certain manual tasks to be automated so that I can focus on getting you what you need up on the floor. So we typically see these used in clean rooms, uh, both positive and negative pressure spaces. Um, and, and I know this. some folks feel like this is only necessary for some chemo or other hazardous doses. But again, I think I want to deliver the right medicine to everybody. And I think, you know, all of us do. So um, I have personally seen these systems prevent what would have been lethal medication errors and literally thousands of other near misses in my hospitals over the years. So I think they can be used from a small clinic that does just a few compounded doses to a multi-hospital system to help benefit patients everywhere because you know, every patient deserves that high level of care, and we don't want to separate some patients and say, well, you seem very sick, or this mm -hmm. is a very complicated dose, so we're going to make sure that we get this dose right. right. But for one of these maybe lower acuity doses, or, oh, this is simple, well, we're not going to use all the tools at our disposal to help ensure the accuracy to make sure that, that we get everything right for this patient. So uh, I, I really think, because I've seen them used in all different kinds of settings, I have personally used it in adults and peds in an infusion clinic for regular sterile compounding, for hazardous sterile compounding, for oral medications, you know, the liquids that you draw up that look all the same once you suck it up into a syringe, um, they all, they should all be correct. And yeah. this allows us to do that. What would you say, and I'm guessing there are probably multiple different versions or uh, multiple different um, technologies available to, to, for these systems to be um, utilized and incorporated. What are some of the most important considerations or features do you feel hospitals should keep in mind as they think about implementing this type of IV workflow into their uh, clinical practices? I think the first thing that you need to consider is any IV workflow system, none of them are going to be a magic bullet, right? If you have broken processes around your pharmacy operation, the IV workflow system may actually make it seem worse. And that's because it will bring to light the flaws in your system. But after you start to understand how the system is helping you and pull some of your own data from the system, that allows you to pinpoint really down to the second, the movement of doses throughout the process, where you have people throughout the process, and then track each one of those at every stopping point who's involved in dispensing that dose. And that's part of the beauty of it, right? By capturing everything, it's not like the direct observation where I might walk into the pharmacy and watch over your shoulder for a while. Of, of course, 
you know, when the boss is watching, people tend to behave a little bit differently. But the difference with this, with these types of systems is they're always there. And whenever you want to pull data out of them, you can see everything that happened, not just the things that happened while you were there. And so that's another piece of how universal they can be, because you can shift work across different sites if that's appropriate. You can see in real time and then historically, when was I busy and what are the near misses that we've had and how can I take action against some of those things to stop those near misses from happening even further up in the chain. It's it's the kind of insight that you just can't get through a manual process or leafing through your paper binders of records. And I think as well, when I'm thinking about near misses and that opportunity as well to have a system, I know everyone, there's always this concern. If I'm reporting a near miss, is that somehow a a reflection on me? And, And to your point, I think, no, that's more of a reflection on the system and the fact that there are, are breaks in the system that are allowing these potential errors to almost make it to the patient. So as a clinician, I would think knowing that this, and I don't want to use the term safety net, but almost like there's sort of, uh, you know, a little bit of support or um, a little bit of a safety net around your clinical practice, knowing that you have that second sort of step in making sure that what I'm doing is accurate and ultimately, I'm not going to be responsible for undue harm to a patient because nobody ever sets out, out to do this. I think, I think the term safety net is appropriate here, right? Because of exactly what you just said. I never go into a pharmacy and say, I don't care if I make a mistake right. today. The first thing on my mind is that mantra, right, of do no harm. So how do I make sure that everything is done to the best of my ability and much like, and let's go literal safety net, right? If you see a tightrope walker or a trapeze artist or somebody, um, it's always a crazy gimmick when they do things without a net. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that that raises the uh, risk level in their own mind. You know, they're not, they're doing that for effect. They're not doing it because, well, I, I choose not to do this. I've never screwed up before and I'm never going to screw up in the future. That's, right. that's unrealistic. If, if someone has that kind of attitude, then I would say that they're very dangerous because they don't know their own limitations. And the thought that a healthcare provider would not take that net if they were given the option, Mm -hmm. uh, I I just don't believe that to be true. I think we all want that level of support, no matter how good we are, we think at our our jobs, Mm -hmm. you know, the the risk is always there. And I think a good portion of healthcare is mitigating risk. So to walk away from this advantage, um, you know, I recognize that I've used it, so I have seen its benefit personally. And I would encourage who's ever listening to think about what it could be like if you've never seen it before. Talk to someone who has, because I I bet that they would say, I I never want to go back. I always want that net. Right. And I'm sure probably some of those concerns, um, change is hard. We know that. And we know that there are often... Uh, some resistance anytime we're talking about adding something new that there's an underlying concern that yeah great I'll add this new thing in but it's not going to make my life easier it's going to slow me down it's going to make add to my processes in that type of thing can you speak to that at all and, and share from your experience what you've seen and what you've observed yeah, I think the you mentioned the concern of it slowing people down. And in my experience, I've been around these systems for 
dozen years now, I think that's probably the chief concern that people have. And I think it's wise for them to think about their concerns and think about, well, how could this potentially negatively impact my operation? Um, Because a good system, um, it won't just help you make your batches when it's convenient. It will be there to help expedite those stat orders as well. And you want to think about how will the system perform in all of the various scenarios that your pharmacy encounters really on a day-to-day or or hourly basis. So think about uh, a batch process. You have a lot of processes and controls. And some people might think, well, you know, hey, Jeff is the one who was making mistakes. Why do I have to use the system? Just make him do it. Mm -hmm. But um, I've I've had technicians who they may not have had a near-miss identified by the system for a month or even two months in. But when that system catches their first scanning error, Mm And you see them stop cold in their tracks and then, and then look around and look, hey, did anybody see that? Right. I'm, I'm the one who doesn't screw up and I don't want anybody to know that. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but they know. And yeah. that is the light bulb moment for them to say, whoa, okay, I'm a believer now. And, and like I said, sometimes it takes a while, but I, haven't, I have yet to see no one get there. And once they get there, they're on board for life because they see exactly what happens. And, and it's, it's a different stage for everybody, right? Um, I actually had this question myself when I was implementing it. Um, the time and the staff impact were my chief concerns. Right. Um, and we found that while it does add some time to certain steps of the process, it makes up that time in others. Uh, so overall, we took a look at our dose preparation and we felt that the time was effectively unchanged. Uh, the actions of scanning and taking pictures just become natural very quickly such that as long as you have the right equipment and the right setup and, and, and then those things just happen as part of the natural process. You know, that's another differentiator among these systems. So the cheapest system or maybe the fanciest looking hardware might not actually be the best hardware to use in your operation. You know, the ergonomics of this process are very important because remember, you're, you're wearing gloves. Right. So your attention needs to be on the doses you're making and the needles and the spikes and the vials and the bags. And obviously you want to touch anything as little as possible to have good sterile technique. So these are all considerations in selecting the right system. And now I'm curious when you um, mentioned there, I'm sure there are lots of organizations who currently aren't doing anything or they're exploring things and they're really not sure where do they start. And I'm wondering out of my own curiosity as well, how scalable are these systems? Are they, you know, by, by today and this is what the expectation is for today or is there opportunity to grow and change your internal processes as you evolve or as you see um, and, and begin to identify uh, different value-added areas where this would come into play quite nicely. Yeah, I think that's a, another key consideration is what's the scalability of this? There's, there's not a lot of pharmacies where everything else is so stagnant that you can say, all right, we're going all in on this, all across every hood, all at once. It's, you know, we, we wish that in pharmacy leadership, but it's just not the reality. So. Um, for example, when, when I implemented in my hospital, we had, uh, at the time, five different sites. and had to decide which ones are we going to do and in what order. So we took a look at the competing priorities. Other pharmacies were going under, undergoing 
some major construction for other automation and other types of projects that were going on. So, so we felt that would be too disruptive for those locations to kind of blow up both the sterile compounding and the unit dose dispensing areas at the same time. So we kind of ruled those out. Um, and then we said, well, where, where do we think we can get the most bang for our buck initially? Where can we do the most good right out the gate? And we focused on our children's hospital and our uh, cancer clinic. So we said, if we can make it work in these two locations, by the time we roll over to the adult hospitals and some of the other offsite locations, you know, we're going to say, hey, if this can work for the peds and this can work for infusion, there's no reason it's not going to work in some of these other areas. So um, there was an advantage to picking the right location first and then working out the kinks in sort of that smaller contained area, knowing that as we work those kinks out, we have to be mindful of how might this behave in one of these other pharmacies. So we had to understand the operation of the places where we hadn't implemented yet either, so that when we expanded to those areas, we had already kind of pre-positioned the system to harmonize workflows across many different sites versus building it very PED-specific and then running into some walls when we started hitting the adult areas. Um, and that's really the beauty of these is, you know, you can go live with, let's just do our negative pressure room, and then next month we'll do the positive pressure room and, and this and that. So you can partition your traffic from your EMR to accommodate where you want to go. And then when you feel like, okay, this is good. And then it, it may help you expand even faster because once some of the staff starts seeing those benefits, right? I'll go back to your safety net example. Mm. Uh, hey, if you're giving Michelle a safety net, um, how come I don't get one? And in some cases you'll have pharmacies who don't have it asking for it say, well, push up to go live date. I'm, I'm out here on my own without that mm. net. I want the same support that my colleagues at another location do. And and we see that among customers now. They say, okay, I've spoken with folks who have had that light bulb moment where they say, wow, this just saved someone's life and probably my career. Mm -hmm. I'm in now. Yeah. Um, so when you get, you know, peers talking about that, that's very powerful. And that's why I'm excited to share this message with you today, because I've, I've been singing the praises of these systems for all 12 years that I've been using them because it's yes. definitely kept me out of trouble. Well, and that's what I think. You don't realize um, you're fortunate if you are able to catch a near miss. You've in, you've eliminated that risk. You've you've caught it in time. It did not reach the patient. But I know from my own clinical practice that there were many things that I am fairly confident went completely undetected and were not realized. And I know also from working with colleagues who have made significant sentinel errors, how devastating that is, uh, not only personally, but also professionally. So I'm all for having something that not only builds confidence as uh, a, the person who's responsible for administering the medication, which would be the nurse or the physician, but also knowing that there's confidence in the product being prepared properly and delivered to me. And I'm now delivering that um, prepared product to my patient at the correct dose. Um, and I know that all of those sort of check boxes have been met along the way of uh, preparation to administration. I'm glad you brought up the nursing aspect of this because I've, I've had a lot of conversations with um, different safety organizations who talk about the concept of the second victim. Yes. Um, and that second victim being 
as you say, the practitioner who administered the dose, they feel, well, maybe what if I could have done something differently? And the reality is when you look at uh, a percentage in the high 90s of any injectable medication, they're all clear. So our ability to detect an error is, is very tiny, and it's and, and that's in the pharmacy, far less when you are at the bedside, you know, in your position as a nurse, you have to have trust in the pharmacy and the pharmacy processes. And, and that's where another huge impact of these systems is maintaining that trust and supporting not only your own staff in the pharmacy, but the nursing staff as well and the folks who are using these medications. So there's really, you know, three tiers. Obviously, the patient is number one. Mm-hmm. The people making it are number two. But remember, there's folks in between those pharmacy doors and the patient. They're also involved. So in a way, it supports all of those people. And I know we don't like to um, always bring everything back to cost and dollar savings, but I'm wondering, or I'm, I'm curious again, is there an opportunity for cost savings to be realized by organizations who implement this uh, IV workflow? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, safety is, is the paramount, I think, bullet point on mm-hmm. these, but efficiency and how you gain that is a close second. And it's, in, it's the efficiency of how staff operate. It's prioritizing the work that they need to do automatically versus carrying off, you know, three or four meters of labels and then having to sort them and hope you tear in the right spot and, and all the manual uh, communication that, you know, if you, if you think about it, you kind of take it for granted because that's the way it's always been. Mm-hmm. But if you really look at that as a process compared to so many other things that have evolved today, you think, my gosh, how, how is this still the standard and how can we improve this? So there's the people aspect of it, but there's also eliminating those errors helps you reduce tangible waste. Right? When you can capture all the things that you can dive into and see these opportunities for efficiency and decreasing waste and keeping money in the bank by not throwing those drugs away in the first place, that's where you get these tangible savings that's not just a win for patients and pharmacy staff, but really for the organization as well. If you think about drugs, they are a huge part of any healthcare institution budget. Um, and they are hard to affect. Um, the most expensive drugs tend to be injectables. Yes. If if I wasted 100 aspirin today in my pharmacy, very few people would even notice. Yes. But if I incorrectly mix even one vial of a monoclonal antibody, the cost implications of that singular mistake will resonate all the way through the end-of-the-month budget meetings. So we in the pharmacy want to have we really need to have plans for those situations and answers to the questions, whether they be from the patient, the caregiver, or the CEO. And these systems provide the visibility necessary into our complex processes that give us those answers and the records to back you up. And I know we've talked a lot about the benefits, and I'm just wondering if we could go over them one more time. And I'm curious what you would say uh, the, the benefit is for the patient. The benefit for the patient is really the certainty that I know that I'm getting the right drug in the right amount, uh, the right concentration, uh, all the way through. And it can even make the bill more accurate, right? Because I know exactly which product I'm using at that moment. I 
I know that I have the specificity right down to the G10 level. So I know that I've got exactly this one. I know that it's in date. Um, I, it's the surety that you can't get by a manual process. And if you think how easy it is and how universal a barcode scanner is versus the human eye, you know, if humans were really good at transcribing things or reading labels, then you wouldn't have barcode scanners at the grocery store. But you've had barcode scanners at the grocery store for almost 70 years now. And in fact, they're so easy to use and so good at what they do, you can do self-checkout. So with zero training, they let you operate something that drives how how much money you're spending at that store. Uh, So it's got to work pretty easily if they don't have to train you and they trust you with their financial implication, right? So I want that level of trust with the folks who are preparing medicines that are intended to save my life, not negatively impact it. And for the clinician, what would be the biggest benefit for the clinician? I think it uh, probably the biggest benefit depends on what level of clinician you are. If you are doing the compounding, if you are in the clean room or you are doing the verification of those doses, like you said, I love the term, it's that safety net. It's knowing that I can focus on certain aspects of this dose that the system can't help me with because I'm dividing my labor. I am looking at this from a clinical perspective because I know that if it says this, then it is this because the system only lets me make the correct preparation. If I'm uh, in administration, then I can make sure that I've got my staff supported. I have better workload and workflow statistics than I ever had before because traditionally my data stops as soon as that label prints off the printer because that's the last time anything in this process is electronic. Well, now I can follow it all the way through to delivery on the unit. So that's like a whole other world of data that I can say, hey, we really are this busy. Mm -hmm. Um, I need more folks to do this job. or We really are this busy and I need to shift my schedules around because I thought I was doing the work during these times, but that's just when my clock stopped. Now I can actually see when the work is being done so I can adjust how we operate accordingly. And I gain the efficiency of not having those folks have to perform all these manual tasks. Like, let me write in the log and let me print two stickers and let me, oh, I hope I remember to put this auxiliary label on this product and you know it's color coded and and you as the nurse look for that color and when that color's not there you well okay maybe it's not high alert we can automate those things so that they happen 100 percent of the time with an iv workflow system and we're not depending on someone to i hope they remember to do this other thing that doesn't happen all the time right that variability breeds mistakes and you don't have that when you use an IV workflow system, you control for it so you get reproducible results every time. And I think you made some great points. Uh, The benefits for the clinician also resonate into the bigger overall organizational picture. And whether that's identifying the need for additional staff or shifting schedules to ensure that you're covering the busiest times, um, knowing with confidence that the medication that's been prepared is exactly as ordered and improving sort of that safety from prep to administration. And I think also I would think organizations would want to be shouting this from the rooftops, like, hey, we, we've implemented this additional safety net 
into our organization because we we believe in patient safety and we believe in the value that this um, system brings to improve um, everyone's you know work workload workflow um, exactly and, and yeah and in another aspect you know in today's world of drug shortages mm-hmm. the inventory management component of these systems is huge because you know systems like dosage uh, and I think that may be the only one actually it will track the contents of an individual vial. So I have a multi-dose okay. vial, let's say it's 30 mLs. It, it assigns a specific ID to that individual vial. So, you know, two vials, same G10, those edge can separate the two. So I know how much is left in vial A versus vial B. That gives me unparalleled power to maximize the use of what little inventory I have. Um, it will also give me waste reports to see, well, how much was in that vial when it expired? So, yeah. again, back to the topic of drug shortages, how do I make the absolute most of what limited stock I have? And going back to the data and documentation capabilities of these systems, now I can export that data out of the system and prove to you know maybe the, the finance team or whoever is asking really, hey, look, this is how my waste went down now that I've been using the system. Or if you think back to the beginning of the pandemic when there was only a certain number of doses of critical medications allotted to different institutions, you can't afford to mix up one of these wrong. No. I don't want to have to answer those questions to say, well, we got enough for 100 patients, Jeff, but it looks like we only treated 95. What happened? Right. My answer, I don't want it to be, well, I made five of the hundred wrong, so we just had to throw them away. Right. You know, these systems keep me out of that situation. And I think that's such a valuable point. And one that I hadn't considered was the fact of the drug shortages and how do we manage those. And you're absolutely right. When we know how, uh, what an impact the pandemic had on backlogs in surgery, backlogs in procedures, you don't want to be the person who says, well, that other surgery had to be canceled today because I used the last supply and I, I mixed it wrong. And we had to tell that patient, right. sorry, you're waiting. And it's again. something you probably don't hear about, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you were up on the floor as a nurse. Never. You, the pharmacist didn't call you and say, well, I made this three times. No. I gave you the last one because that's the only one we got right. Like, yeah. people don't know how often there's waste or when there's a mistake because it's sort of been taken for granted. Well, you know, we make a mistake every X amount of preps and that's just the way it is. So, you know, we throw it away because we're here about safety, but to not capture that and think about how can I further improve on this because it's been a given, what an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think even as a nurse, when I think about um, the shift in from when I started my career and nurses were admixing everything and understanding the reason why some of those things changed. Um, I can remember having access to concentrated potassium chloride. It was in the exact same container as the normal saline. And how many errors happened because someone inadvertently grabbed the potassium and flushed that central line, at thinking that they had grabbed the, the normal saline. How many errors happened? That right. We'll never know. Ever. We'll never know how many errors. Exactly. And I would imagine this is very similar. It's, again, building that safety into the and and building the confidence in knowing that I'm doing the right thing every time for my patient. 
and it's one less thing I have to ever think about. Yeah, I think that's a great example of you know, now it, it's ridiculous to think that there's concentrated potassium chloride that's just sitting in the med room on the unit, right? I think everybody would say, well, that would never happen. We can't have that. That's too dangerous. But I think you bring up a good point of, well, that used to be the norm. Yes. And people had to accept change and embrace change and make a fundamental change in how they do things to make that improvement. And now that's widely accepted in the complete opposite direction of how you said it was when you, when you first started your career. And I'm hoping that's where we're going in terms of, of our sterile compounding. Do you think, um, you know, BCMA barcode med administration is very popular. It's been very popular for many years, but that's at the end of the process. You can't bring specificity in at the end of the process. You've got to bring it in at the beginning. So we've got to use barcodes from the start through the finish, not only at the end. This has been an amazing conversation, and I want to sort of wrap it up with understanding what you, from your, based on your experience, what would your top three recommendations be for healthcare organizations who are implementing an IV workflow solution? I think the number one recommendation would be make it clear that your IV workflow system will be used for all doses. And I don't mean oral tablets, of course, but all doses where you don't already have some type of automation. Carving certain types of doses out leaves money and safety on the table. So don't put yourself in a situation where you're telling a family member, well, if they ordered this other drug, we would have gotten it right. Yeah, definitely. Number two would be don't skimp on which system you use and how much effort you put into setting it up. If you're not going to go all in on a project, like this, then you're probably not going to get that level of, ex- of success that you expect. Uh, we all know the IV room is a very complicated place, and the complexity is sometimes lost on non-pharmacy staff who may uh, believe a system like this is unnecessary. So as you're looking at these, do your due diligence and ensure that your system will be able to meet your now your needs now, but also in the future, because switching to a system like this and getting it set up you know, that's a long-term commitment. And once you get it set up, I'd say my number three recommendation would be to use that data. These are not systems where you can just set it up and then walk away. I mean, you can, it will still bring you value, but there's so much more valuable information that you cannot access without a system like this. There's process studies, there's time studies, which drugs create what problems at what step and the ability to track the dose all the way to a specific bin in the med room or to the bedside, the same way you would track a package being shipped to your home. Again, minimizing the waste and those lost doses and, and seeing those bulk vials that you think, hey, I'm getting a deal on this big 10 gram vial. But when the system helps you realize I'm actually throwing most of that bulk vial away, that really shows you uh, the savings that you might think you're getting might be being spent in the trash. And you just can't that get, get, you can't get that kind of data by spot checking right. or having staff do a study for a week. Your environment is too dynamic. So these systems allow you to have real-time insights everywhere they are used. And I think that's the reason they should be used everywhere. Amazing. I have to say, Jeff, I've learned so much today and I'm so grateful that you agreed to 
come on here and share your experiences and really help enlighten all of us about how IV workflow solutions fit and where why they are so important and should be considered, I almost feel like uh, a necessary part of the furniture in a pharmacy, just as you would have a desk and a table and a chair. Sounds like this is something that um, should almost be a standard expe- expectation. It's been my pleasure, Michelle, and I agree with that statement 100%. These systems should be the standard of care and with your help and and the help of folks listening to this podcast, we're going to get there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To listen to more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe to ensure you always receive notification. Please reach out to us by email if you have any questions, comments, or feedback. We look forward to having you back with us next time. Thank you for joining us for the episode of I Connect with Baxter. All of the opinions and experiences expressed in this episode are those of the guest speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Baxter Canada. If there are other areas of interest you would like to see included on future podcasts, please email those to iconnect at baxter.com.